What is going on, Badger fans? Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Badgers. Did the Badgers' new coaching staff botch the Garrett Sexton recruitment? We're going to talk about that and more on today's Lockdown Badgers. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Lockdown Badgers, your team every single day as we build this Badger community. I am your host, Ryan Herrings, as always. Really do appreciate every single person tuning in as we just continue to add to this Badger community we're, we're building up. So thank you so much if you're listening on the podcast, on YouTube, wherever it is. It's awesome. Let's go. Let's talk about it. So a player, if you're one of the everydayers, right, that's tuning in all the time, you know I've talked about Garrett Sexton a bunch of times, the in-state 6'7", 250-ish uh, pound offensive lineman out of Arrowhead, Derek Jensen's teammate, um, going to Penn State. Right, Wisconsin initially wasn't really after him. They didn't make the offer. They came in late, and they said, yep, we're ready. We're going to pull the trigger. Come to Madison. Well, at that point, Sexton had already announced uh, a top four, right? And a top four, I think it was of Oklahoma. Uh, certainly Penn State was in that mix. I believe Iowa and, and maybe somebody else. I don't remember who the fourth one is. but there was a ton of interest in this prospect, right? I, I talked early about the prospect, the, the offer list. It's a Stanford, Tennessee, Iowa, who knows offensive linemen as well as anybody, Oklahoma, Penn State for an in-state kid, plus other schools that were interested in him. Um, and I didn't like that. I'm, I'm be perfectly frank. And again, I've talked about this. I'm not an offensive line coach. Jack Picknell Jr. knows more about offensive linemen than I ever will. But I thought the film and the offer list warranted um, uh, an effort from Wisconsin. I thought it was a mistake to let him leave the state. I said it on the show when he was didn't get an offer. I said it when Wisconsin did reach out. I'm going to say it again because I'm going to be consistent. Like that's one of the things we do in this show. I think we we're respectful. Uh, we don't we're not a hot take show. But I think the Badger staff botched this. I really think they botched this in state recruitment, particularly with Sexton. Listen, and this is coming on the heels of Donovan Harbor, Corey Smith. Those ones don't bother me as much, especially as reporting came out. We we learned more into it. It felt like the staff from multiple sources just said not a fit for whatever reason. I don't even think we need to dive deeper into that. But Sexton, they, they reached back out. They said, we do want you. And they just took too long. They took too long. Now, would Sexton have been a Badger if, if they had reached out right away? I don't know. I, I, I'm not here to say it was a guarantee. I'm telling you, it would have been a pretty good chance, in my opinion. Um Grew up in Wisconsin, more of a fan than the guys like Harbor and Roy, you know, and he's a player that has a ton of upside and you decided you weren't going to go after him. And then it looks, listen, the optics of it don't look right. When you come in for an in-state kid, you don't offer him. He says, fine, I'm going to go to these other schools. I'm not going to come up in camp. I don't need to come up in camp because these other schools I've already seen enough. And then you come in with an offer and two days later, he commits to Penn State. It's not a great look. And again, I think it's a mistake. I think they handled this particular recruitment poorly. Um, you know, we'll see. Time will tell. I, a couple of things I want to talk about as offshoots of this discussion. Uh, again, I, I've been a fan of his since I saw the film, um, but there's a lot of time to go, right? So that's that's where I want to start. I, I don't think they handled this Sexton recruitment well, um, but I want to start with there's a lot of time in this recruiting class to go. We've seen plenty of in-state kids commit somewhere and then flip back to Wisconsin, right? That That's a trend that's happened over and over again for Wisconsin. So it's possible this recruitment isn't over. Although I will say, because that's one of the first things someone reached out to me and said, listen, Wisconsin's going to stay after him. Don't be surprised if he flips. And this wasn't somebody with any connections, by the way. This was just a fan. Um, 
And I said, yeah, I don't know on this one. Because if you think back to a lot of players that Wisconsin has kind of held off on, they've committed somewhere, and then they flipped back to Wisconsin, a lot of times those players aren't committed to a Penn State level school, right? That's the difference. Yeah, a lot of those players are committed to maybe like in a Minnesota. Well, of course, we're going to flip that dude back for Pete's sake, obviously. You know, a lot of those players are committed to maybe a Mac school, you know, or a Northwestern. You think back to what, what wasn't TJ Watt or Derek Watt, I forget which one, a Northwestern commit. We flipped him back. Um, you know, it's easier to flip those type of players back when they're committed to a Northwestern, um, a Minnesota, a Mac school, you know, an, an Iowa State. Well, because Wisconsin offers a football advantage over any of those schools. Well, not over Penn State. Say what you will about Penn State. A lot of Badger fans flooded mentions and talked about, I don't know why I'd ever go to Penn State. Listen, I've been to a game in Happy Valley. It's incredible, right? And let's be clear, they prioritized and Wisconsin didn't. Players want to go where they feel wanted. They, they, that's, that, it is what it is. So there is a lot of time left in this recruiting cycle, not just um, for Garrett Sexton, but for the Badgers and the offensive line class that they still have to fill up. But I would be kind of surprised if Sexton ends up flipping back. That's not based on any intel I have. I'm not trying to, to throw anything out there. I just think the Badgers might have blew their chance with that one. And when we talk about this recruiting class in particular, you have to get some linemen, right? You, you look back at what we did last year. We picked up one offensive lineman in the high school ranks. It's James Durant, who I like a lot. Interior lineman, I think he's a really good get. But that's it. You, you look at the, the depth chart on the offensive line. This is a huge year for offensive line recruiting for Wisconsin. And it was lining up that you had this incredible in-state class alignment, right? And people were connecting the dots. And maybe that's not fair. But we were saying, oh, man, we need three, minimum four offensive linemen this year. And look, you got Harbor, Roy, Sexton, Jensen in-state. This is perfect. And it Ooh. Obviously, we got Jensen. Uh, Nathan Roy's still out there. That is a big-time prospect. Not an easy win, but uh, Nathan Roy's a big-time prospect. Shares a lot of the same athletic traits that I like about Sexton, but he's already bigger. Uh, I think Nathan Roy would be a home run. He's probably my favorite offensive lineman in state. Sexton was two for me, by the way. I like Jensen a lot. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody. I just felt like Roy and Sexton have an athletic upside that's pretty unique. So Roy is a huge target in state. And can you imagine – if you lose the top three or four of the top five in-state players, that that's a tough look for a new staff. Um, and if it had been a previous staff, if, you know, when Greg Gard does that, he gets crushed. If Paul Chris had done that, he would get crushed. I think we just have to be kind of fair here. If they were to lose Roy, who they're after, and they lost Sexton, who they came after late, that would be, that would be a tough start to the recruiting cycle in Fickle's first year, right? Um, so it's interesting. Now, like I said, there's a lot of time left in this class, in this cycle. Wisconsin is, has reached out to a lot of other offensive linemen outside of the state of Wisconsin. So it's not like they have put all their ducks in that basket, but they have lost some battles already. You know, Roebuck, Roebuck uh, is the guy they were after. He went to Michigan, Schroeder, went to UCLA. You know, so they have lost a couple of those players they prioritize along with losing Sexton. Um, getting Derek Jensen was obviously a big get, but there's a lot more that they have to do at that spot. Offensive linemen is probably one of your top two or three needs in this class. And so far, it, it's been a bit of a struggle at times. So, uh, again, looking at the depth chart, you know, Fertney's gone. And I think there's a very real chance if Nelson has a good year, he leaves. Listen, if if Renfro, who has had major injury problems uh, for the last year and a half going into spring, Jake Renfro, if he had, puts a good year on film, he might be gone, right? Because you got to strike while the iron's hot. Certainly, um, 
you know, Nelson, like I said, Fertney's gone. You have to replenish that room and we'll see what they do. A lot of time left. I, I want to emphasize that a lot, a lot, a lot of time left in this, but I think if they had to do it again, they would have prioritized Sexton a little bit earlier. I think he has unique athletic tools. I've said it a billion times. I'll say it one more. If he can't put on the weight, he's 6'6", 280 with a wingspan. That's a defensive end. I think you could have used him at defensive end if he doesn't transition to offensive line. And the fact that all these blue chip programs are all over him. Listen, they're not always right. But when you start stacking blue chip programs together who all want a guy, there's something that they all see that for whatever reason, this coaching staff didn't buy into as quick. And maybe, by the way, maybe they'll end up being right. Maybe Sexton won't be able to put on the weight. And maybe Wisconsin ends up landing Nathan Roy and two out-of-state offensive linemen who are high three-star guys, a four-star guy, and, and nobody cares. Because that's the other thing. I don't want to get on the we need every Wisconsin guy hill and die on that hill. If you go and replace Sexton and and whoever else that you might lose in state with comparable talent from somewhere else, what does it matter, right? That's To me, that doesn't really matter. I just think it's harder to get those kids from out of state. That's always been the crux of it. So it's interesting to me. We're going to keep following it. Maybe there's a chance Wisconsin gets back in on Sexton. We will see. Nathan Roy remains an enormous target for the staff. Just massive in-state target. They have to find a way to get Nathan Roy. Otherwise, people will really start talking. Um, it's going to be interesting. All right, coming up on Lockdown Badgers, we have a bunch of your comments, but I also want to talk about some of the other recruits that have been on campus, including a cornerback that really surprised me and a running back that I think is, is very unique. We're going to talk about some more recruiting news coming up on Lockdown Badgers, but first, a quick word for our friends of the show over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, Lockdown's number one sportsbook, Grand Slams, no hitters, Double plays are back. There's no better way to get into the action on the MLB uh, platform than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers step up to the plate, get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back. That's free bets, bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Uh, just go to fanduel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, get $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Plus, NBA playoffs are going, right? So many great games. Are you betting on, at least we just saw Golden State storm back in. Do you think um, Sacramento is going to finish that one off? I think Sacramento has been vastly underrated from the odd standpoint. I've said it. If you had bet with me on Sacramento, you would have won some money. So it's a great time to get on FanDuel baseball. Uh, certainly some futures with football as well. Great time. Same game parlays on the world's simplest, easiest to use, downloadable app. Don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go, uh, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, the official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Uh, when you're done here, go check out LockedOn's NFL Mock Draft Special. It's here. It's bigger than better than ever. It's absolutely incredible. Everything you could think you would ever want from a mock draft, like only the LockedOn Network can provide. All right, let's keep going here. A bunch of stuff I want to get into. I do want to say thank you to the everydayers. The people that watch this show just about every day, grind with us, talk badgers with us, leave comments with us. You know, if you were here the other day, you were here come our, our spring football reaction. If you're going to be here tomorrow, John Garcia is coming on. We're talking major recruiting news with John. He's fantastic as always. So for the everydayers, thank you so much. For everyone else, if you like the show, I, I try not to talk about it much because I feel like the, the, the organic growth of the show makes it special. But if you do like it, occasionally I do say, man, like the show, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button um, just to help us grow, help us reach more Badger fans, help us build the community. It really does help, and it is very much appreciated. So if you like the show, hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, leave a like. All that really does help, and it's it's very appreciated. All right, let's 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 get into some more recruiting news. The Sexton one's kind of a bummer, right? I've talked about it. He's also kind of my guy, so it also bums me out a little bit more. 
But some interesting prospects on on campus lately that the Badgers are in on. I want to start with uh, Trey Poteet. This one's fascinating to me, right? Because Trey Poteet, as a lot of people watching this show probably know, Hank Poteet's son. Hank Poteet, the former Badgers cornerback coach and a guy who I thought did a really good job for Wisconsin overall. I thought he brought in some, some good, unique talent. But obviously, let go in the coaching regime. Paul Haynes comes in. It's hard to argue about that. Paul Haynes is a very respected cornerbacks coach. But I think everybody just said, yeah, that's it for Trey, right? You're not you're not going to go to the school that laid off your 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 dad, but he's still in state. He's at Verona, Wisconsin, six foot, 170 pounds, four star athlete, really good offer list. Right. You're talking a, a young cornerback in Boutique that has you know Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan has offered Florida's talking to him, uh, among others. It's he, he fits the athletic profile that. Uh, Luke Fickle, uh, Mike Tressel, those guys look at, you know, six foot long arms, really good athlete. And he's been to campus a couple of times now. He, he spoke highly about it. And, you know, we've heard Hank Boteet talk about Wisconsin in incredibly glowing terms. So it's very possible that there is no bad blood there. Um, and, you know, this is still a very good destination. He's going to he's he's in state right now in, in Wisconsin. So he's getting to see the program. And this is certainly a coaching staff. That can sell defensive back success, uh, defensive back development. You know, look at what we've done with Sauce Gardner. Look at what we've done from a defensive standpoint. We're player developers. You were interested before. Um, stay interested. And it looks like that interest has been reciprocated by Trey. So that's a big target coming up. Um, a, an elite four-star corner type player doesn't grow on trees in Wisconsin. Frankly, there's not a ton of them in the Midwest, right? A lot of those players, you have to go down south. You have to go to Texas, Florida, California to find those kids. Um, so having him in your backyard and staying on him and maintaining a level of interest from both sides is, is to me, really positive. I'm very hopeful on that one. Definitely somebody want to continue tracking. But it's big that the interest is still there, seemingly from Poteet. Uh, Kion Payne is another one that I'm interested in. Came on campus for the launch, um, 6'4", 250 out of Kansas. Reported an offer. So this is a, a player. Again, we talked about offers at this point in the game. Uh, if they're willing to take them, those are plan A players. So. This is a guy without a big offer list. You know, this is the first Power 5 offer coming from Wisconsin, not from a big area football-wise. Um, came to campus, got the offer. When you watch the film of uh, Kion Payne, you know, 6'4", 250, he looks all of 6'4", 250, right? Probably more of an interior guy to me. He plays some of both at high school, kind of a hybrid. You probably put him either spot. Good violence. Like when he meets somebody in the hole, when he – makes contact that that dude goes down. He doesn't move forward. I think there's a bit of an athletic, I don't want to say disadvantage with him. He, he, he's not overly, um, the first step doesn't quite feel quite there for me, which is probably why he's, he's a three-star prospect. This is probably why this is his first power five offer, but he brings a lot of, um, point of attack strength, um, good leverage, good strength already, you know, violent tackler, great motor, you know, there's there's a couple of clips where he's running down 40, 50 yards down the field, tracking down a play. He feels like kind of the typical Badger defensive lineman we've gotten recently. And I don't mean that in a slight. Like those players have been anchors on some of the best defenses in the country for the last 10, 15 years. So I like the offer. I think you have to pair it with a high upside guy, though. So uh, Keon Payton, come on. We're going to see where that goes. Definitely feels like we're probably in the driver's seat if we want to be in that race. Tory Blaylock is an interesting one to me. And again, I'm not going to cover... Every recruit, I, I want to, how I want to do recruiting news going forward. And my camera, if you're watching on YouTube, just completely went out of focus. I have no idea why. And it came back. That's so weird. If you're listening on, on a podcast, by the way, you have no idea. Um, 
but Tori, Tori Blaylock's interesting to me. And I was just saying how I want to do recruiting news. I don't want to do a show where I talk about 30 offers, right? Cause I think people's eyes would glass over. So I'm going to do four or five at a time players that came on campus. Let me know in the comments if you like that type of segment, or if you would just like a recruiting mega show where we talk for 30 minutes and just rattle off prospects. Cause listen, I can go either way on that. I'm, I'm versatile. Um, but Tori Blaylock coming on campus, 2025 player. If the name sounds familiar, obviously Travion Blaylock, uh, their dad, Derek Blaylock, came on campus. He was, uh, I believe, he played for the Chiefs. I'm trying to remember. But he came on campus and brought his son with him for a visit. Um, Four-star, top 150 type player. Really, really explosive running back. Uh, 5'10-ish. Great offer list already. Really fast. Now, again, he's a ways out. He's at 2025. But you like the family connection. Travion's here. His dad was with him on the visit. Obviously, this offensive system is going to appeal to speed and space type guys, explosive guys like Blaylock. All you can do is get him on campus, right? All you can do is get him on campus. Unfortunately, it was snowing. The, the offense certainly didn't look the part, which is a shame when you're bringing a four-star explosive skill player on. But um, you, you love the effort. It's a big-time visit. I hope they stay on him. And then one other player I want to talk to about today, and again, this I'm trying to break these segments up recruiting-wise so we're not overloading people with names and they're trying to keep track of five or six. Gideon Atuka reported on Twitter that he visited campus, had some fun um, pictures. Obviously, they do the kind of recruiting swag whenever anybody visits. Uh, Gideon is a fun prospect to me. I liked his film more than I thought I would, right? I, I oftentimes when I see, uh, and this is kind of my own bad, right? When I see a player's ranking, his offer list, and his measurables, I kind of in my head picture what I think the film is going to look like. So Gideon is 5'9", 220 pounds, a mid-three-star player with a mid-three-star player, typical offer list, right? He's got like a Boston College offer, several Mac school offers, maybe a Syracuse offer. You know, so it's that kind of offer list, kind of a bigger, thicker running back. But when you watch the film, pretty good vision, not great speed, certainly not great speed. He's not going to be that guy at the college level. But I thought the vision was pretty good. I thought he got north-south really quick, right? And if you're looking at the Phil Longo offense, they're trying to just kind of slash, right? That zone scheme, press the hole and just slash north and south as quick as you can. He In high school, Gideon is running out of a shotgun system for the most part. He looks very natural doing it. Um, and the other thing I like about Gideon Hatuka is when you – I talk about this res, with receivers, right? What are we seeing in the receiver room? We're seeing versatility in different skill sets, right? To present um, a chess player like Phil Longo – with multiple options, right? You have big receivers, slot receivers, fast receivers, possession receivers, explosive in space receivers with, um, you know, Kyle Barry Johnson committing. Gideon gives you something different than the Nate Whites, the Daring Dupree's, the, you know, uh, J.D. on Matthews, if those two players commit. He gives you kind of a thunder element, you know, a short yardage element, a power element. And guess what's leaving this backfield after this year? Braylon Allen, right? He, that power aspect is leaving the backfield after this year. Gideon is someone who can bring some of that. I think you want different types of weapons. You don't want a bunch of the same. Uh, and that aspect of Gideon to me is pretty interesting, pretty intriguing. So there's four players there. Uh, talk about certainly a couple high-level players, right, in Poteet and Blaylock. High, high-level edge players, skill players. And then a couple more of your standard mid-three-star players that have always been the typical backbone of the Wisconsin program. And I like both of them. I think all four quality players – Sounds like, um, you know, listen, Petit's going to be a battle and Blaylock's going to be a battle, but all you can do is get him on campus. All you can do is continue to sell the program. So let's see where that goes. We're going to take a very quick break, come back with a bunch of your comments on the spring game, including should we be worried? A couple of you are, a couple of you aren't. Um, we're going to talk about that more coming up next on Locked On Badgers.
But first, a word from our friends of the show. All right, welcome back to Locked On Badgers. Continuing to just talk about spring game, getting your comments in here, uh, how worried you are, not worried, and anything else that kind of stood out to you. And again, we had a bunch of comments. I'm not even going to get to all of them in this segment, but I promise I'll continue to try to work through them. I think it builds up our community really well. So when we can get your voices on here, and I think we get smarter because of it. So uh, let's jump right in. Bob Milborn says, two weeks ago, I told you interceptions would be our Achilles heel. Yeah, he did. And listen, it, it wasn't just the launch. There's been some other interception-filled practices, if you listen to reporters. And this is, again, something we talked about with Mordecai. Bob, you brought this up. He, he throws some stuff up for grabs. Like, he was not a completely mistake-adverse quarterback at SMU. So we may have to deal with that this year. We, there may be a little, along with the explosive plays, which I still think are going to happen, um, the 35 touchdown possibility, it might be 12, 13 interceptions. So, yeah, we'll definitely see. Uh, this is from Drew K. He says, I love KBJ, Kyle Barry Johnson, uh, but all you guys have is film. Clint, Clint Cosgrove from Rivals is super high on him, and I'll take his knowledge over yours since he knows him. Uh, that's from Drew K. Yeah, li listen, Clint's great. Clint watches more a lot of film. Clint's seen him in person. Um, yeah, Clint, Clint's great. I'm, and I don't think that anybody on this show is down on KBJ necessarily. I the one thing I've said is I think some of the high pointing stuff that may not translate with a 5'10 receiver. Like I like, I like the pickup. I love the speed and space. Cosgrove is crazy high on this kid. And I, I take that opinion seriously. You know, that's that's a data point that I evaluate. So I would highly encourage everybody to take every data point you get can get and, and use it to form your own opinion and use it to, you know, make you examine your perspective. So Cosgrove super high on them. Some of what Cosgrove said feels a little hyperbole to me. Uh, best ball skills he's ever seen. There's a lot of great receivers, man, when you start looking at the Odells and, and those kind of guys. But listen, Cosgrove loves them. Clint Cosgrove, where it rivals, loves them. And I think that's awesome. That should make us all feel better about the, the commitment because he does this for a living. And he's really good at it. So, yeah, no, I, you should you should take his knowledge over me. That is no stress on my part. Uh, Barry Peterson, as a Gophers fan, I was surprised how rough they looked for three quarters. They started looking better in the fourth. Ah, what's up, Barry? Getting a, I think that might be our first comment from a Gophers fan, at least in a long time. Curious how y'all did. I didn't catch anything on your spring game. Let me know. Um, certainly always keep an eye on what's going on in uh, that, that state that I will not mention right now. Uh, Michael Heaton says, I'm not worried at all. Uh, didn't really seem like they were working the run off the pass and vice versa. It kind of looked like they were just calling plays. This is something Justin talked about as well, where maybe in a, in a game situation, Phil Longo is trying to set plays up more. He's trying to sequence things, you know, where he's playing off of stuff. Maybe he's trying to find mismatches. And maybe this was just, let's go out there and, and ball out, and we'll even make it a little tougher on the offense and see what they do. Now, my count, my counter to that would be, and you, I don't think you're probably completely off base here, Michael, but my counter to that would be you still have to be able to throw the ball when you need to throw the ball, right? Like if, if the offense was just inconsistent, I would say, okay, but four interceptions, uh, a lot of, a lot of bad offensive line play. I don't know. I, I'm not worried really, but I don't know if it was just because they weren't sequencing the play calling. Right. I thought, I think it was just Mordecai had a bad game. All right. Much more here. Jeff Olson, format of the launch, encouraged big plays, which Mordecai tried early through interceptions, looked better last drive of the first half when they incorporated the run more. Yeah, but I don't think that's who they necessarily want to be offensively. I don't think they want to have to run the ball to look better. I, I think they want to be balanced, but I, I think 
I don't, again, I don't know if it was just that Mordecai was simply trying big plays and threw interceptions. I just thought he, he made some bad reads. Um, and I don't know. Now, certainly, Jeff, to your point, the format of the launch with the fans there, that certainly could have influenced in his mind the need to kind of show out and take some more chances. Um, that's certainly possible. But again, I think it was just a bad game, a, a bad practice, I should say, from Mordecai. Um, and that's, I don't think I need, from where I'm at, and I could be wrong, but from where I'm at, that's the conclusion I came out of it with is he just had a bad practice. And I don't know if it was necessarily anything deeper than that. And players have bad practices. Teams have bad practices. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Jeff Olson adds uh, Tommy McIntosh to the receiver group. Five catches, 75 yards. That receiver group just keeps getting deeper, man. Every time I feel like we're ready, we're like, okay, this is my top five. Tommy McIntosh will have a great game. This is my top five. And then you'll see Chris Brooks blowing up before he got hurt. You know, this this receiver group is so deep. And Bryson Green's still coming. And Tretch Kekahun is still coming. Get out of here. It's absolutely nonsense. Uh, Mr. Jara says Tonner will be fine. We'll ball out. It's going to be fine. Yeah, Mr. Jara bringing the, the, the patience. It's going to be fine. I mostly agree with that. Like, there's there's a two-year track record on Mordecai. And I said after in, in my show yesterday, I said, listen, take note of this. It's not a nothing burger, but there's a track record, right? That speaks two years worth of data points speaks much more heavily than one spring practice, right? So take the track record. And um, I agree for the most part, I think it's going to be fine. I'm not that worried about it. Jay Daly says, saw you, Justin Rajiv, walking out of Scotty Bar Saturday afternoon, meant to say hello. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Oh, Jay, thank you, my friend. I wish you would have said hello. Um, next time, make sure you track us down next time. Throw something at Justin to get his attention. Uh, let's see. This is from Commandant Clink. Sorry, this comment was a little too long, so I couldn't get everything in here. But he did mention, um, big concern was the offensive line. He said it at our live event, and they looked really bad, as I feared offensive line play over recent years has not been up to par. Uh, with what we have grown to expect. I thought the first team offensive line. So again, there were moments where the second and third team offensive line were sieves, were just open up the floodgates. There was a couple sequences we talked about with that third string offensive line where Nick Evers never had a shot, never had a shot. Um, I thought the first team had its moments. They were able to spring some runs. Again, maybe that's just who they, who we are. That's That's the experience they have. Now, keep in mind, the first team offensive line is missing Jake Renfro which is a linchpin, in my opinion, to what is supposed to happen here. Renfro pushes Bordellini's guard. Renfro fixes the, the snapping issues. I think Renfro, if healthy, is one of the three best offensive linemen in, in, in that starting group, right? So keep that in mind. That's a big cog that's missing right now. And I thought the first team looked pretty good. The first first team offensive line looked looked fine, in my opinion. Um, but that, that, that depth, as we went down the depth chart with it, I thought got worse and worse. Uh, and great, it was great to see the commandant there. That was a ton of fun. Overall, Saturday was amazing. Perhaps next year they'll open up the stadium seating. That's from Billy Bob. Yeah, you know, we haven't even talked about that. Like the energy was incredible. That's a great comment, Billy, because we were getting ready to go into the launch, the event. We were at Scotty Bar, incredible place. And that place was packed. So many people were excited. The weather wasn't great, but there was so much excitement talking to people, um, coming up to people, telling me, I have not been this excited about Badger football in forever. They had a sidewalk sale. You could get some Badger gear. They did a kids event. And by the way, what greater way to get kids, younger people excited about the program, get them in the stadium, have them do something. I thought it was awesome. They crushed it. There were alumni, you know, former players there. Um, heck yeah, absolutely. They had music going. Um, we did run out of, uh, my buddy Dylan was there and, and his buddy Coop. They ran out of hot dog buns, broad buns, you know, so that was an issue. 
right? Uh, logistically, we got to get that food game up, but I thought it was awesome. I had a ton of fun. Kudos to getting that going again. Uh, I think they had to do it. Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell was at the live event too. And I got his last name now. He told me. I was, I've been mispronouncing it. See if I got it this time, Mitchell. Mitchell Bialk. Let me know. Um, so I was surprised to see Pew rolling with the one so much. I thought it'd be Eschenbach, but Pew looked enormous. Pew looks great. Like we've all kind of penciled in Clay Cundiff as, as the guy when he gets back from, from injury. I don't know. Pew, I think Pew looks great. And, you know, I think he's physical. I think he can catch the ball. He looks much bigger. Maybe that's a Brady Collins takeaway. I'm very, very, very excited to see what Pew and a healthy Clay Cundiff and maybe even JT Seagreaves with that athleticism does as they kind of creep closer to the season. Tom Nieces, and it was great to meet Tom as well. Great to meet you guys. Concerned, question mark. Tom says, I've had team scrimmage that after I didn't think we win five games but ended up doing well. A lot will change. Thought the defense looked fast. Yeah, I think the defense in moments looked really good, Tom. I agree. And again, like I 100% agree with you on a lot will change. We're, if this was a fall practice, if this was one fall practice, I would still say, mm, let's not go overboard. We're still in the spring. This roster is not even complete, right? Players are still going to leave via the portal, and some players may be added. Bryson Green's not healthy. Renfro's not healthy. Um, yeah, I 100% agree. A lot is going to change. Again, I, I go back to say it. I'm just not that worried. Let's see. This is from Playmaker 1271. I was able to see some of Iowa spring game. Good Lord, after that abomination of offense, I'm feeling way better about our, uh, our performance. I love it. Yeah, that – I just – I don't know how I could be an Iowa – it's got to be so tough as an Iowa fan, right, to still have that same offensive coordinator, to have him talk in the offseason about, I don't think we're going to change much. I would – I'm so grateful right, that we have evolved. And let's see what happens, but I'm very, very grateful for what we've done as a program to try to move forward. And Iowa is still kind of stuck in the swamp of sadness. All right, we're going to wrap it there. Really do appreciate every single person. I didn't get to every comment, which I apologize for. I had more from Phyllis. I had more from Gold Digger. Um, I just can't get to it all, but I will continue to make an effort to do that. Again, if you're here tomorrow, come check out our conversation with John Garcia Jr. A bunch more content coming up later in the week on Wisconsin, and let's talk tomorrow.